Appreciate you guys so much. So we are talking about what we say tonight, talking about guidance tonight. Um, Jackie, pray. I'm going to pray one more time. Uh, just that, Lord, prepare our hearts for, for what he wants us to receive. Amen. God, would you till up the soil of our hearts? God, would you remove any and just rocky or thorny places there that would prevent your word from implanting in us, growing in us, taking root in us, and shaping and molding us to be the men and women of God you want us to be? Holy Spirit, we want to be sensitive to what you're doing uh, and what you're wanting to do in us, God. We want to have hearts that are quick to obey what you're speaking. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me. Help me to communicate. Help me to speak only what you want spoken and nothing else. We love you, Lord. Jesus, be exalted. Jesus, be glorified. You alone who are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. My freshman year of college was fall of 2000. Now, I know some of you guys, most of you guys are not even born yet. And that's okay. I've made peace with that. Right, so fall, <laughs> fall of 2000 is my freshman year of college. And I went six hours away, right, to go to school, right? I went six hours away from home, uh, away from where I grew up, away from mom and dad and my brother to, to go to school. And come November, right, it's been several months since I've seen my family. Thanksgiving break's coming up. I'm missing my family. Excited to see them. Excited to leave the campus and go, and go and be with my family for Thanksgiving. We, uh, the family had decided, I said we, I don't have a vote, and it's same as you guys probably don't get a vote either. They decided to have uh, Thanksgiving at my aunt and uncle's house uh, in Alabama. Cool, they love my aunt and uncle, that's going to be good. Um, so I'm going to meet my parents and my brother down in Sheffield, Alabama at my aunt and uncle's house. Uh, I had been there before, but I'd never driven myself there before, and certainly not driven myself there from college, right? And so I did not know where I was going. I had no idea where I was going. I had to figure it out. Now, again, this is fall of 2000. The smartphone doesn't exist yet, right? There is not, there's not an app to give me turn-by-turn directions. There's not a GPS unit to say turn here and then recalculating when I miss it, right? That doesn't exist yet. Now, we did have, I mean, the Internet existed. We did have websites like MathQuest where you could look up, how do I get from here to here? And then there were directions you could print out. Right? So depending on how long the trip was, you may have three, four, five pages of turn here and then go this many miles and then turn here and then you would consult that as you drove. Okay, and now I turn here. Now the problem with that is, right, is that if you take a wrong turn or you miss your turn, those pieces of paper don't beep at you. They don't say recalculating. They don't say we're going to find you another route. Now you're just kind of out of luck, right? And this is what can happen to me. So I printed out my directions. And I made my way towards Alabama. I got out of Tennessee, right? That's a good start. I got into Alabama. I went the wrong way at some point, went an hour in the wrong direction towards Birmingham. And I figured out, man, this don't seem right. And I turned around. And I was trying to get back on track. I'm looking through these MapQuest directions. Something, some street that shows up in these directions has to be a street that I pass. I don't know where I am, right? I'm lost. I don't know if this is how you guys drive. You guys are probably better drivers than I am and I was. Um, when I'm lost, it makes me drive faster, right? And I don't know if that's because I hope, if, if I just go, look, maybe then I'll see a landmark, I, I didn't, you know, or I'll see a street that's, that's here on this paper, uh, maybe it's just over this next hill, I'll, I'll speed up a little bit, you know, when, when I'm lost, I'm not, so I can get to hopefully unlost faster, right? So, I, short, short lesson, don't, don't go faster if you're lost. Um, but this is what I was doing, I, I was going fast, I was looking for, man, how, how'd I get so far off? where I'm supposed to be, and how can I get back where I need to be? Again, cell phones don't exist, so I'm just trying to figure it out. Red and blue lights, right, show up in my, in my mirror. Oh, my goodness. So my first start is like, well, this is, I don't need any more speeding tickets, right? This is not good. Uh, but then my second thought is, 
An adult. Yes, he's going to know. He's going to know how to get me where I need to go. Uh, so, of course, I, I pull over. Officer comes to the window. I say, yes, officer, I, I was speeding. I'm so very sorry. Also, can you tell me how to get here? Right? I'm so lost. I'm so glad to see you. Can you tell me how to get here? Of course, he did. And I still got the speeding ticket. Um, but he, he told me how to get to my uncle's house um, from where, where I was in rural North Alabama. He gave me those directions. Uh, and we've all been a place at some point. Uh, perhaps you're there right now, right, where you need direction, right? You need guidance. You are lost, hopefully not literally, right? You're in the psychology auditorium, University of Memphis, right? You're exactly where you're supposed to be. But we all, man, even, even right now, probably have some area of our life, we talked about in the breakout groups, that we need guidance, we need direction on. And if you're not in that season right now, man, it's going to be right around the corner. I need direction, right? That, that's a perpetual part of being a human being and the human experience is we need guidance, we need direction. We find ourselves in situations where we say, well, I don't know what to do now. And somebody guide me, somebody tell me what to do, someone give me direction here. Well, we've all been there, places where we desperately need guidance and direction. Um, maybe there's a big decision ahead of us and we just don't know what's best. I need, I need to make a decision, I need to do something here, but I don't know, I don't know what's the best thing to do. Uh, maybe we have no idea what God wants to do wants us to do with our lives, big picture stuff, right? God, I'm here at this college, I'm getting this degree, I don't necessarily want to do this for a living, so I need you to speak here because, man, what do you want me to do with my life, God? I just got this one life, I don't want to waste it, and what do you want from me? Man, some of you guys need big picture direction stuff. Maybe, maybe you've got decisions you need to make, man, in the next couple of days, do you need his direction on? So tonight we're talking about guidance and direction, and specifically about seeking guidance from God to know his direction for our lives and the important decisions we need to make. The culture, the culture that we find ourselves in is going to offer tons of different and even contradictory opinions about how we should find guidance and direction. Right? If you ask 10 different people, now how do you think I should do this? Right? You're likely to get 10 different answers. And the world, the culture, is going to have lots of ways to say, man, this is how you find your way in life. Right? This is going to get you where you need to go. Right? Lots of different and even contradictory ideas about how to find guidance, how to find direction. Some of them are good. Most are bad. Here's what the world will say. The world will say stuff like this. Follow the example of successful people or influential people that are doing what you want to do. Right? Look at them. Say, okay, I want to do what they're doing. How can I follow their example? Right? And having mentors and people to look up to can be a really good thing for us. Right? It's good for us to have those people like, man, man I, want to, I want to learn how to do what you're doing. It's good for us to have mentors. But keep in mind that their path may not be the path that God has for you. Right? And you can't just copy and paste their whole life. Right? You need God to speak to you. You need God to say, hey, here's how I want you to do it. I may have something different for you, son or daughter, than just being exactly like them. I don't care how cool their Instagram following is. Right? Like, I may have a different path for you. Again, it's good to have mentors, right? but we also need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. God may have different for us. Another thing the world says, I mean, have, a, have a goal, have plans, hustle, work those plans, have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan, and then hustle after those goals. You guys have heard this. And again, planning and hard work is good. Planning and hard work is good. But there's going to be seasons where you don't have it all figured out or your best laid plans fall apart uh, and you're going to need guidance and direction. Um, And in those seasons where where, you've made a plan, but the plan's totally fallen apart, it's in those seasons we've got to remain faithful to the Lord uh, because his plan for us is always going to be better than the the own plans we have for our life, the plans we make for ourselves. 
right? And so, so yeah, make a plan, right? And work hard. We should be hard workers, right? But just having a plan and hustling after that plan isn't going to guarantee you're going to get where you need to go. We've got to remain faithful to the Lord. We need to allow God to guide and intervene and even correct. Say, man, that's your plan, but that, that's not what I have for you. That's not the best that I have for you. We need to be sensitive to that. Other thing my world will say is, is man, t- talk to the people around you. Ask your friends. Ask your parents. Ask your mentors. Get their advice. Get their input. Again, this can also be really helpful. And that's really good. God has placed these people in your life. Uh, and, and, and they can help guide you. They can help give you good advice, give you good direction. As long as these friends and mentors have God's heart in mind. right? And they're not just telling you what you want to hear. Right? There can be wisdom in the counsel uh, of many people, right? And in bringing this thing between many people, uh, Scripture tells us in Proverbs again and again, right? That there, there's wisdom in the counsel uh, of many. So bring it to people. Again, not just telling you what you want to hear, right? But they've really got God's heart. God can speak through other people, and that can be good. Um, each of these first few, honestly, can be okay and can be pretty helpful. Uh, but the world is also going to celebrate you turning to things for guidance that as Christians, we've got to reject Completely, right? There's some things the world's going to say, hey, let this guide your life that we say, no, I can't go with you on that one, right? I've got to reject that. Things like tarot cards and psychics and astrology, horoscopes. Let me just say flat out, these things are demonic. Just say no to these things. As a Christian, we need to steer clear of them, steer completely clear of them. You don't want to have anything to do with this. You only want to play and mess around with this, right? I know there's people that put... A lot of stake in what's my horoscope say? Uh, I gotta get my, my palm read, my psychic reading, and what the tarot cards say. And, and brother and sister, you do not want to have anything to do with these things. You don't want to have anything to do with these things because you have two big options when you're dealing with things like this. Either you are being deceived, right? You're being hoodwinked, deceived. This person's conning you. They're trying to get something out of you, and you're being deceived. And honestly, that's best case scenario, right? Or you're encountering the supernatural, but that supernatural is not God, and you don't want to have anything to do with it. In this universe, there are only two sources of spiritual power. Only two. One of them's God, and if it's not God, you don't want to have anything to do with it. So maybe, maybe you're, you're, getting, you're, you're, you're messing around with this stuff, and you're getting some supernatural, man, I don't, I don't know how any person can know that, or, or how, how does it know that, or I'm sensing something happening here. Yeah, it's demonic, and you don't want to have anything to do with that. You don't want to mess with that. You don't want to mess around with demons. I mean, you've got the God of the universe, the creator of the universe that wants to guide you and direct you. You don't need to turn to a demon who wants to manipulate you, steal, kill, and destroy to get direction for your life. So as a Christian, just steer clear of that. Don't even mess around with it. Don't play with it. Say, no, I don't have anything to do with that. God's not in that, and neither am I. I don't want to have anything to do with it. You can keep it. And the last bit of advice we get from the world is possibly the most deceptive at all. Just follow your heart. Just let your heart guide you, right? Let your heart be your guide. Well, what's the problem with that? The biggest problem with this one is that our heart, our feelings, and our desires and our emotions are extremely unreliable and often contradictory, right? What your heart wants on Tuesday, it does not still want today, and it's going to want something different tomorrow, right? So just follow your heart is going to get you nowhere, absolutely nowhere. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The human heart is deceitful. Above all things, and desperately sick. Who can know it? Who can understand it? The human heart. That's my heart. That's your heart. It says it's deceitful above all things. Your heart lies to you. You know this. Your feelings lie to you. Right? It tells you one thing one minute, and the next week is totally different. Uh, and and you know, the week after that, 
uh, has changed his mind again. Our hearts and our feelings deceive us. And Jeremiah also says our hearts are sick. They're corrupted by selfishness and sinful desires that are there in the mix, which make them terrible life coaches. Right. Uh, Because that that corruption of sin, that selfishness, that pridefulness is going to make your heart not a good compass to follow, not a good thing to seek for direction. Friends, we need the Lord's direction. Amen. We need God's direction. Again, some of these things are okay, Some of them are helpful. But the God who created you and has a plan for your life is always the one we should turn to first and foremost for direction. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Right? The world's got lots of ways it's going to suggest to get direction. Um, and not all of them are awful. Some are straight up terrible and, and steer clear. But there's a better way, God's perspective on seeking direction. And that's what we want to look at tonight. So we're continuing our series of messages that we're simply calling Perspective. All about God's perspective on the complex issues of our own lives. We need his perspective to see our own lives clearly to understand ourselves, our role in this world, what he wants us to do. Isaiah 55.9 has been our anchor verse for the series, uh, which may probably, probably have it, you just quote it by now. Isaiah 55.9, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God says, my ways, my thoughts are higher. And because God's thoughts and ways are higher, because he has the true and right perspective on our lives and on this universe that he created, uh, we want to look to what his word has to say about these things. And as we get his word inside of us, it's going to shape us and mold us. It's going to help us to understand him better, know God better. Uh, we're going to prosper as we allow it to direct our lives and make us the people he wants us to be. So throughout this series, throughout the perspective series, we've looked at God's perspective already on a lot of different top- topics. We've talked about God's perspective on identity on relationships. Last week we talked about God's perspective on starting over, on a fresh start, on what it means to die to your old life so you can embrace the fullness of life that Jesus has for you. If you've missed any of these, uh, you can go back and listen on the Kyle from Memphis podcast. All those messages are recorded. You can go back and listen or go back and listen to one again that God really spoke to you through. um, all, All those are available there online. So the scriptures we're looking at tonight are going to help us to better understand the Lord's perspective on how best to seek him for guidance and direction. When we need guidance, we need direction. When we're faced with difficult decisions, how best to seek him for that guidance and direction. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. The verses are also going to be behind me uh, as well. Jeremiah, my favorite book in the Old Testament. Lots of fantastic stuff in there. We're going to be in chapter 42. So Jeremiah, chapter 42, if you've got your Bible uh, if your neighbor going to let you look on with them on their Bible uh, or the verses there behind me. To set the stage for us a bit so we understand where we're at uh, when this story picks up here in Jeremiah 42. Uh, this is a, during a time in Israel's history where they've been conquered uh, by the empire of Babylon. Right. So, so Israel has been conquered um, long before this. The, the, the kingdom had, had split in two with the northern kingdom of Israel uh, to the north and the southern kingdom of Judah to the south. Israel has already been conquered by the Assyrians. And then years later, Judah is now conquered as well by the Babylonians. The people had persisted in sin and idolatry. God warned them through the prophets, warned them through Jeremiah. Uh, that if you guys persist in your sin, uh, there's going to be consequences, right? And one of those consequences was being invaded and conquered by Babylon. And that's exactly what happened. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians conquered Judah. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And they deported many of the Jewish people back to Babylon. They took the best and the brightest. And they said, hey, you're coming back in exile. Back and going to live in Babylon with us. Only a small remnant of poor 
Judeans still remained there in Judah to care for the land, uh, to take care of the land, um, and they stayed there as a remnant. The prophet Jeremiah chooses to also to stay behind, right? He had a choice in it, but he said, I'm going to stay behind uh, with the remnant. And so Babylon appointed to govern uh, the remnant that were staying there in, Ju- in Judah. They appointed an appointee, a governor named uh, Gedaliah. Gedaliah. A man named Ishmael decides he's going to lead a rebellion and assassinate Gedaliah. So, so he, he leads a rebellion, assassinates Gedaliah, kills a lot of other people, too, in the process. Uh, knowing that Babylon is not going to be happy about this, the commander of the army there, he's a man named Johanan, uh, he, he puts down the rebellion, right? Uh, the, uh, Ishmael, who led the rebellion, flees, and he goes to live with the Ammonites, um, and, and uh, they're afraid. What is Babylon going to do, right? We assassinated the governor. We led a rebellion. How's Babylon going to retaliate, right? Are they going to punish us some kind of way? What are we going to do? So uh, Johanan decides that they're going, to, uh, they're going to run away. They're going to flee to Egypt and try to find safety in Egypt. So that's where we pick up here in Jeremiah 42. That kind of sets the stage for us. Uh, the people of Judah uh, are, are under, under the control of Babylon, but they're afraid of retaliation, so they're going to flee uh, to Egypt. Um, so the, the Judean remnant is on the run. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah is with them. They need guidance from the Lord. How in the world do we proceed in this situation? Um, that's what we're going to pick up in Jeremiah 42, starting in verse 1. Jeremiah 42, starting in verse 1. Then all the military leaders, including uh, Johanan, son of Korea, and Jezniah, uh, son of Hoshiah, and all the people, from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet. And they said, please pray to the Lord your God for us. As you can see, we're only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us what to do and where to go. Hey, off to a good start, right? They say, we need direction. We don't know what to do. We're afraid for our lives. They go to the prophet, go to the man of God and say, hey, would you pray to the Lord and ask what we should do, where we should go? Verse four. All right. Jeremiah replied, I'll pray to the Lord your God as you have asked and I'll tell you everything he says I'll hide nothing from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells you to do. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God, whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. So they say, Okay, would you please ask, for, ask God for us? And no matter what God says, we promise we're going to obey it. We know if we obey the Lord, we're going to be straight. So, so you ask God whatever he says. Even if we don't like it, we're going to obey it. That's what they say. Hey, that, that sounds good so far, right? Verse 7. Ten days later, the Lord gave his reply to Jeremiah. How many of you guys want to wait ten days for an answer from God? Right? Or we get too antsy. Ten days later, the Lord gave his reply to Jeremiah. So he called... Uh, for Johanan, son of Korea, and the military leaders, and for all the people from the least to the greatest. And he said to them, You sent me to the Lord, the God of Israel, with your request, and this is his reply. Verse 10. Stay here in this land. Thomas, stay here in Judah. Stay here in Jerusalem. If you do, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I've relented concerning the disaster I've inflicted on you. Do not fear the king of Babylon anymore, says the Lord, for I'm with you and I'll save you and I'll rescue you from his power. I'll be merciful to you by making him kind so that you will stay here in the land. He says, no, don't flee to Egypt. Don't, don't put your trust in Egypt. That Egypt's going to protect you. I'm God. 
I'm going to protect you. You stay put in Jerusalem, and I'm going to make sure you're all right. Babylon's not going to harm you anymore. In fact, all those in exile in Babylon, I've got a plan for them too. They're going to come back home in 70 years. Don't worry about it. Stay put. Stay put. Don't go to Egypt. Verse 13. But if you refuse to obey the Lord your God and you say we will not stay here and instead we'll go to Egypt where we're going to be free from war, a call to arms and hunger. Verse 15, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. If you're determined to go to Egypt and to live there, the very war and famine you fear will catch up with you and you will die there. That is the fate awaiting every one of you who insists on going to live in Egypt. Yes, you'll die from war, famine and disease None of you will escape the disaster I will bring upon you there. Say, hey, no, I want want you to stay. You asked for my advice. Uh, You you sought the Lord. The Lord says stay. Stay put in Jerusalem. Stay there in Judah. If you insist to go down to Egypt, the very thing you're running away from, it's going to find you there in Egypt, and not one of you guys are going to survive. In short, God says, no, stay put. Stay in Judah. Don't go down to Egypt. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you safe from Babylon. If you go down to Egypt, you're going to get destroyed. How do the people respond? How do the people respond? Well, they tell Jeremiah he's lying. So we don't believe you. God didn't say that. Because that's not what I wanted to hear. God couldn't have said it, right? Because I wanted to hear something different. So you must be lying. You must be lying. And they go to Egypt anyway. They go to Egypt anyway. Chapter 43, starting in verse 4. So Jehanan and the other military leaders and all the people refused to obey the Lord's command to stay in Judah. Verse 7. They refused to obey the voice of the Lord and went to Egypt, going as far as the Tophanes. They go down to Egypt anyway. You know, they say, okay, God, I know you say we should stay in Judah, but it really seems safer in Egypt. We're just going to go on to Egypt anyway. Jeremiah's probably lying because that's not what we were hoping you would say, God, so that could not be it. Uh, we're going to go down to Egypt anyway. So they do. They go to Egypt anyway. Jeremiah, and he goes along with them. And the Lord speaks through Jeremiah again. This is uh, Jeremiah 44, verse 11. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Verse 13. I will punish them in Egypt just as I punished them in Jerusalem by war, famine, and disease. Of that remnant who fled to Egypt, hoping to someday return to Judah, there will be no survivors. Even though they long to return home, only a handful will do so. This is tough here. Verse 15. All the women present and all the men who knew that their wives burned incense to idols right so so the women are there but we're not just picking, the men the men knew that the women weren't doing right uh it's a great crowd of judeans living there in northern egypt and southern egypt they all answer jeremiah verse 16 we will not listen to your messages from the lord we will do whatever we want right say jeremiah we don't want to hear it anymore we don't want to hear what you have to say from god we don't want to hear from the lord in fact we're going to do what we want to do uh, they go on to say it's not up there. We're going to keep burning incenses to other gods and goddesses because we want to, because we like to do that. So we're going to not only are we not going to listen to you, we're also going to burn incense and worship some other gods and goddesses. And we're going to at the end of the day, we're going to do what we want to do. Why ask for guidance? if you just going to do what you want anyway. Right. Why even ask for guidance in the first place? When we disobey the Lord, there's consequences for that disobedience. Dropping down to verse 26, and this will be the last bit of Jeremiah we read. But listen to this message from the Lord, all you Judeans living in Egypt. I've sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name will no longer be spoken by any of the Judeans living in Egypt. Everyone from Judah who is now living in Egypt will suffer war and famine until all of you are dead. Only a small number will escape death and return to Judah from Egypt. 
Then all those who came to Egypt will find whose words are true, mine or theirs. I do not ever want to be in the position for God to say this to me. We're going to find out who spoke the right words, me or you. Right? I don't ever want to be in that position. Um, he said, okay, you've gone to Egypt. There's consequences for that. Every one of you are going to die there. Um, the Judeans did the right thing initially, right? They asked God. They said, God, we're in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot. We're afraid Babylon's going to kill us. Uh, and we know centuries ago you delivered us from Egypt. Right now it seems like that might be the safest place to go. We need your direction. God, would you tell us what to do? And then they don't take his advice. They don't take his direction. They ask the Lord what to do. And the problem was they didn't obey what he said to do. And their stubbornness, the Judeans chose to do things their way. And they pay a heavy price for that decision. They had no idea that Babylon was already planning to invade Egypt. Right? It was already part of their battle plan that their next stop was to invade Egypt. So the very place they're running away from for safety uh, put them right in the crosshairs of the enemy. Right? If they would have stayed in Judah, they'd been fine. Because the part of the battle plan was for, for Babylon to invade Egypt next, and they put themselves in harm's way. They ask for guidance, but they reject those instructions and do what they want to do instead. How often do we do the exact same thing? God, would you tell me what to do here? God, I need your guidance here. God, I have no idea which way is up. Would you tell me what to do? But then we, we, don't, we don't obey. <laughs> we don't do what he says to do. Sometimes we pray to God and ask for advice, but we've already made up our minds what we want to do. We've already decided what we want to do. Like, like the people, like the crowd told Jeremiah, we're going to do what we want. End of the day, let's be honest, we're going to do what we want. We're not really looking for guidance. Not really. We're looking for confirmation bias. We want someone to tell us what we want to hear, and then we're going to do it regardless, right? We're looking for, for a prophet or, or man of God, woman of God that's going to say, say what we want to hear, right? We want to go seek wise counsel as long as that wise counsel is going to just be an echo chamber for us and tell us the things we're hoping God's saying, right? Um, but, but, but that's not inquiring of God, right? That, that, that's just you making up your mind what you want to do and hoping someone else is going to agree with you. We especially don't like it when God or his word contradicts our desires and what we want to do. When we come across a Bible passage uh, that says something that we're doing that we like to do, we ought not do. Man, we don't like that, right? And we don't like when God gives us direction on a specific situation. It's not what we were hoping to hear. We say, that can't be right. Let me find someone else who's going to tell me what I want to hear. Right? This can't be right. Let me ask someone else. Let me get a second opinion and a third opinion. And you can do that at the doctor's office, right? The doctor gives you an opinion you don't like. You can get a second opinion. Let me see what a different doctor says. You can't get a second opinion with God, though, right? He says, end of the day, his word stands true. End of the day, everything else in this earth will pass away except the word of God. You don't get a second opinion on that. So what God says goes, even if we don't like it. And so when we come to God, we can't have our mind already made up. I kind of know what I want to do anyway, and I'm just hoping you say the same thing. That's the wrong way to approach it. We need to approach it in a place of humility where we say, God, whatever you speak, I'm going to obey it, even if I don't like it. Right? And then we need to step that out in obedience. You may have friends or relatives, sisters, brothers, cousins, roommates, uh, who sometimes ask you for advice, but then they don't take it. Is this annoying? Right? They say, hey, what do you think I should do about this? And then you, you tell them, hey, I think you should do X, Y, Z. And then they do not follow it. Why did you ask me in the first place? Right? Well, why did you even, why even, why involve me in it if you, if you didn't want my advice at all? How does that make you feel? How do you think it makes the Lord feel? Right? How do you think it makes God feel? God, God, would you, would you direct me? Would you show me what to do here? I'm not going to listen, but would you, would you tell me anyway? Would you show me what to do here? 
When we do this to the Lord, when we refuse to obey his instructions, man, there's consequences that come to that. And hopefully not as severe as the Judeans that are fleeing in Egypt, but there are consequences when we don't obey the Lord. We miss out on the blessings that he has for us. We may put ourselves in harm's way. We may put ourselves in a situation that's not good for us. And we definitely make it more difficult for us to hear his voice and receive guidance from him in the future. Right? Every time he speaks and we disobey or, or ignore it, that's going to make it that much harder for him to guide and direct us the next time. We deafen our ability to hear his voice through our disobedience. When he when guides and directs, we say, no, I'm not going to do that. We're risking the chance the next time we need guidance, it's just going to be quiet. Right? And there are consequences. So the big takeaway for us here, get this, the big takeaway is that the Lord's guidance is tied to our obedience. What is God's perspective on getting guidance? Obedience is key. The Lord's guidance is tied. It's tied to our obedience. When we obey what he says, well, he's going to continue to guide us. Right? If we disobey, there's consequences for that. But the two are linked. So whenever we're reading the scriptures uh, and, and, and God guides and directs, obedience is implied in that. Right. And so so he, he expects us to obey. And those things are tied together. And don't seek God for guidance if you're not going to obey him. Right. We can't come to him. Our mind made up. We're going to do what we want to anyway. Uh, we need to listen and then we need to obey. We need to obey. The Lord's guidance is tied to obedience. Guys, the Lord loves you. God absolutely loves you. He's crazy about you, right? You're his sons, his daughters. He loves you. He wants to guide you. He wants to direct you, right? He wants to show you the best way that you should go. He has a plan for your life. He has a best for your life, and he wants to let you in on that plan. He loves us. He he guides us. He wants to bless us. But we have to obey what he tells us to do. God's love language is obedience. You guys ever thought about that? God's love language is is obedience. Some of you guys are familiar with the book by Gary Chapman that came out years ago called The Five Love Languages. Or you don't read books, but you've heard that phrase used. Uh, the Five Love Languages. Talking about some people like quality time. Some people like to get gifts. Some people like to be physically touched on, right? Some people like words of affirmation. There's these different, different love languages that, that you may give or receive. Well, the Bible tells us pretty clearly God's love language is obedience, right? Jesus says in the Gospel of John, if you love me, obey my commands. Right? And we see this heart of God echoed throughout Scripture. God's love language is obedience. How do we demonstrate that we love God? Worship is good. Right? Praying is good. Obedience, though. Obedience, I think, really gets hold of his heart. When, we, when, he, when he gives us an instruction and we obey it, that demonstrates to him, we love you, we trust you, and we affirm that your way is best. Right? When we disobey, we're saying, well, we know better. Right? We like to sing the songs. We like coming in fellowship with the brothers and sisters. We do not affirm that, that your way is best because we're not obeying it. Uh, and that's a slap in the face to God. His love language is obedience. I mean, I think about my own children. Jackie and I have three kids, uh, and they're the best. They're awesome. Uh, do they obey all the time? No, they do not, right? But, but do, when they do choose to obey, when they could do otherwise, uh, I feel loved in that moment, right? When, when, I, when I give them advice, when I give them direction, when I say, man, you ought to do this, or I need you to do this, uh, and then they obey me. I feel loved. I feel respected. God's no different, right? He he wants us to obey. When we obey, it shows, yeah, I get it, God. I get that your way is best. Uh, And I'm bringing my life in alignment with what you have for me. You're God, and I'm not. And I'm going to demonstrate I understand that through my obedience. And when we disobey, we're showing we don't really get it. We don't really get who God is. We've not really submitted our lives to him. He's not really Lord of our life. We're Lord of our life because we're doing whatever we're going to do anyway. 
Right? Obedience is key. Obedience is God's love language. We demonstrate love for him by obeying his commands. And I want you to understand, man, about this issue of guidance. God does want to guide you. In fact, he promises to do it again and again and again throughout Scripture. We're just going to look at a couple of them. God promises again and again throughout Scripture to guide and direct the steps of the righteous. Here's a few. Uh, Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that cool to think about? The Lord directs and, or delights in every detail of your life. He's just delighting in you. He just loves you. He's just crazy about you. The Lord delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they'll never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Man, we're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. But God holds you by the hand. He promises to direct the steps of the godly. Psalm 32, 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. Say best best. I'm going to guide you on the best pathway for your life. And I'll advise you and watch over you. I want God to advise me. I want him to watch over me. I want to know what the best pathway is for my life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Some of you guys memorize this when you're very young. You can still quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. Or you may have learned it in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Um, He's going to show you what path to take. He's going to direct your path uh, when you trust him with all your heart. You don't depend on your own understanding. Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord will guide you how often? Continually. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. God doesn't want to guide you just one time or just two times or just ten times. The Lord wants to guide you continually. As you're walking closely with him, as you're tight with him, as you're walking arm in arm with him, you're seeking him each day, making space for Jesus, abiding in his presence each and every day. God wants to guide you and direct you every day, continually, every moment, right? As you lean on him, he's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. The Bible also promises that those who belong to the Lord are going to recognize his voice, right? They're going to recognize when he's speaking like a sheep listening for the direction of the shepherd as the shepherd guides the flock. Jesus promises in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And it's just a given. Right? My sheep are going to know my voice. They're going to hear me when I speak. They're going to follow me. I know them. They know me. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep, that my there is really important. My sheep, those that belong to Jesus are going to hear his voice. We should not expect to receive guidance and direction and hear God's heart on the matter if we do not first belong to Jesus. Are we his sheep? Do we belong to him? If we don't belong to him, then we shouldn't expect to hear his voice. How do we belong to Jesus? Right? How do you belong to Jesus? You put your trust in him. You put your trust in him and what he did on the cross to save you and make you right with God. Don't trust your own ability to do right. And to put your trust completely in Jesus. What he did on the cross to save you and make you right with God. Say, Jesus, man, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I'm putting my trust completely in that. Jesus, save me. Make me right with God. And when you do that, when you put your trust in him, he adopts you into the family of God as a son, as a daughter. You belong to him now forever, right? Jesus died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. And through that resurrection power, you have new life. We talked about it last week. Uh, and you enter into an eternal relationship with him where he's your father forever, right? You belong to him forever. You're going to hear his voice. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. Now, does that sound like an audible voice, right? That, like you hear my voice 
right, with your eardrums right now? It could, but most of the time it's probably not going to, right? Usually it's going to be, man, small stuff um, in your heart, in your mind, man, through his word, uh, again, through the wise counsel of a, of a godly believer. Um, he's got multiple ways to speak to you. It probably won't, won't sound like an audible voice like you're hearing me. It might. I don't want to rule that out. And I know people, man, that have heard God that way. Um, but God's got a variety of different ways. But when he speaks, you're going to know it's him. You're going to know it's him. Uh, there, there's not going to be a confusion like, man, is this just me thinking these things? Or is this the devil trying to, trying to trick me? Uh, and there's ways that you can discern that. And he helps you with that, right? The biggest way that's going to help you to really know his voice, though, is to be in the Bible and be in his word. Um, no Christian should ever say God is not speaking if your Bible is on the shelf collecting dust. That's foolish, right? God, God can speak to you continually if you open that thing up and read it. Uh, every time you read the Bible... Every time you read the Bible, God's speaking, right? You want to hear an audible voice of God, just read the Bible out loud, and you'll hear it, right? Uh, God speaks to us through his word. No Christian should say, well, God's not talking to me right now, but, but you're not opening your Bible, right? If you open that Bible, I promise God's going to meet you there. As you read it day after day, he's going to speak new things to you day after day after day. He wants to communicate to you. And the 99% of the time way he's going to talk to you is through that Bible. Is through your word. He has other other specific things to speak to you because your Bible is not going to say who you should date, who you should ma- ma- marry, you know, where, where you should live, what your major should be. We need we need his direction on the specifics, but most of the time he wants to communicate to you through that Bible, through his word. The Lord promises to guide us, but again, guidance is directly tied to our obedience. So, what does that look like for you? Right? What does obedience look like for you? What does the Lord ask you to do? And think about your own life. Is there something God's asked you to do that you need to obey him on? When you don't feel like you're hearing God clearly, a helpful self-diagnostic we can always do is to ask this question, did I do the last thing God asked me to do? And just think. Think back. God, what's the last thing you asked me to do? And did I do it? And if not, then I need to obey and go do that thing. Right? Right? And I shouldn't expect to hear anything else from God if I've still not obeyed the first thing, right? Well, why would he speak more? Why would he give additional instructions if I've not obeyed the first thing? So again, this is super helpful. If you're in a dry season, you're like, man, I'm really not hearing God's voice. Ask yourself this question. Did I obey the last thing God told me to do? And if not, then go do it, right? Um, And it made me thinking a little, man, when's the last time I really did feel like God was guiding me? And was there something he was telling me to do in that season? And I just kind of backed away from it. Or or like the Judeans, I'm like, "Ah, I kind of want to go this way. Or I kind of think I know better. I'm just going to do what I want, God. And if we did that to him, first it may look like returning to the thing and walking out obedience. And then the dialogue will open up again. Obedience is the response that keeps the dialogue with God going. Why would he speak something new if you haven't done the first thing? Right? So ask yourself, man, God, God, what have you asked me to do? Have I obeyed? Uh, think about it, man, as you, go, as you go home tonight, as you think about it this week, God, God, what are some things you've asked me to do that I've still not obeyed? God, give me the courage to obey this week, to walk out in obedience, uh, to obey your voice, to obey your direction. In the last few moments Jesus spent with his followers here on earth, he gave them a command. He gave them direction. And it's a very similar command, actually, to the one the Lord gave in Jeremiah 42. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay put. Stay where you're at. Don't go anywhere. Stay put. Stay in Jerusalem. But this time, instead of God keeping them in the promised land to preserve them from an oppressive empire, the Lord is positioning them to receive the promise of his Holy Spirit, which he would empower them to launch his kingdom and proclaim the good news of salvation 
to the world. He says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. I'm about to ascend to heaven. I've raised from the dead. I'm going to ascend to heaven. I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses. But you've got to stay put. Very clear directions. But the disciples, they got questions, right? God's fo- Jesus' followers have questions. They say, well, that's fine. But when is this going to happen? And when are you going to come and establish your kingdom on earth? And they have questions about the future. They wanted to know what the plan was and the details of the plan and what would happen next. Specifically, they wanted to know when Jesus was going to do what they wanted him to do. Right? Jesus, we've got ideas about who you should be and what we want you to do for us. When are you going to do all those things? When are you going to come overthrow Rome and set up your kingdom and we can rule next to you? But Jesus says this, Acts 1, verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or the dates that my father set by his authority. So don't worry about those things. That's not for you to know. Right? They wanted a detailed plan. They want to know dates and times and where they need to be. It's not for you to know all that. It's not for you to know all that. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. It says, friends, it's not for you to know every single detail of the plan. Just obey what I told you to do. And when you obey, you'll receive power. You'll receive power. Could the musicians come on up? It's not for you to know the days or the, the times that the Father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We worry so much about knowing and having it all figured out, right? We worry so much about, man, okay, God, what's the next step here? And, and, and what time should I do this? We want to have the plan. Some of us especially, man, we want to have it in writing. We want to know what we're doing this time, four months from now, uh, and, and three years from now. We want to have the plan all figured out. We ask God, similar to the disciples, God, is it time for this? Is it time for me to, to date this guy? Is it time for me to pursue this thing? Is it time for this internship? Is it time for this job? Is it time for me to move here? And Jesus says to simply obey right where you're at. And when you obey, then you'll receive the power you need. And you'll be perfectly positioned to accomplish all that the Lord has for you. Right? God does want to guide you. God does want to direct you. We read lots of scriptures about it. Um, But that's not going to necessarily look like you getting every detail of the plan. Because more important than you knowing is you obeying what he's already told you to do. He says when you obey, then you're going to receive power. Then you're going to receive power. You're going to be perfectly positioned to accomplish all the Lord has for you. So the question is this. Do we really want the Lord to guide us? Or do we have our minds made up and shut out any voice that isn't confirming what we want to hear? Right? Do you want God to direct your life? Do you want him to guide your life? The Lord promises again and again throughout Scripture that he's going to direct the steps of the righteous. But more important than you knowing what every step's going to be is your nearness to him. And your obedience to his commands. Guidance is tied to obedience. And if you get off track, right? If you get off track on the journey, he's got ways of getting you back on track, right? If we make a misstep here, we turn the wrong way there, he's got ways to recalculate and get you back on track. He's not worried about it. What's important is that you obey what he's told you to do. That you're faithful to him, that you're remaining in him, and you're being obedient to the things he's asked you to do. Guidance is tied to obedience. We're going to respond to this with a time of prayer uh, and worship and seek the Lord. For some of you guys, it's asking that question, God, did I obey the last thing you told me to do? Or have you been real quiet lately because I've been real disobedient lately? Um, And God, I want to hear your voice. I want you to guide uh, and direct me. God, I need guidance on on this issue, man. I'm at a turning point. I don't know what to do here. 
I want you to speak. I don't want to just do what seems right in my own eyes. God, I need you to speak here. Um, some of us need guidance. And I want to pray for you. And if you're like, man, man, I really need to hear from God on this issue. It's crucial. It's critical. It's time sensitive. I need God to guide me. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you for God about that. Um, some of you, it's like, man, man I, I need to pray. Just God would help me with obedience. I know what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. And I need his help. I need, I need his courage. I need his strength. I need, I need to walk in obedience. Um, some of you guys, it may be uh, earlier when we were talking about his sheep hear his voice. You need to belong to God. Say, man, I'm, I'm not really in a place where I belong to God. I'm far from God. I'm not where I need to be. And it may look like coming back home tonight, saying, God, God, please have mercy on me. I need to repent. I've been doing some stuff I shouldn't do. I want to come back to you. Some of you guys, it may look like a return home tonight. I want to pray for you as well. Would you guys stand up and close your eyes? We're going to just enter a time of prayer and response. God, we love you. God, we trust you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you do love us enough to guide us and direct us. You just don't leave us stumbling around in the dark, running into stuff. God, you care about us. You're a good father. He knows how to take good care of his children. And God, these, these students here tonight are precious to you. You love them so much. You delight in every detail of their lives, the psalm said. God, you want to guide them. You want to direct them. God, would you help this shift to happen in our hearts so we are obedient to whatever you say. We don't just listen for what we want to hear and do what we want to do anyway. We really listen for your voice, no matter what it is, even if we don't like it. We walk out in obedience and faithfulness. Lord, help us with that. Lord, help us with that. God, these next few moments, we just want to seek your heart. We want to seek after you. We want to repent of our... our our unbelief, our unfaithfulness, our disobedience. We're going to repent of those things. Holy Spirit, search our heart. Lay your finger on it. If there is an area of obedience, God, we've neglected that we need to go back and make right. And Father, would you speak to us and guide us on these areas where we need your guidance and direction. In Jesus' name. In these next few moments, we're going, to, we're going to worship together. If you'd like special prayer, or you just want to come and pray down in this altar space, man, this is open for you to pray. We're going to spend some time seeking the Lord together.